cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else could he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad. But accidents happen. They do. He's done his knees. Well, this is incredible. Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Just a dirty old sponge and it's worked. The sponge can wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, a miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. I'm Brian Senny. I'm the NRL Physio Guy on social media. I have my co-host, James. You're here on a Sunday night. Mate, I've rolled in off a big day of golf, which doesn't happen very often for me. I'm all kitted up in my in my golf garb. Uh, and for those who want to see how cool my shirt is, we are now on YouTube. And wants to see how cool James's jersey is, uh, we are now on YouTube. So get on over to YouTube and search NRL Physio. I'm sure you'll get us on there. But James, how are you, mate? Big win for the Bronx this weekend. We won't talk about the Finns too much, though. Uh, Broncos are going good. I'm in the Broncos diamonds, Brian. They're so bad, they're good, is how I've sort of broached them with a lot of people who say the jersey is yuck. Um, it's all about vibes. It's all about rugby league in this sort of a kit. So, yeah, good to see the Broncos get up again. But relatively quiet on the weekend front for me, mate. Just back to reality. Yeah, mate. I think that's it. But, look, let's get into it. I think, first of all, we want to talk about the best rugby league fantasy competition that is back. Bundy, the NRL, and the NRLW, they're back with the world's first mixed gender fantasy league. I know many of you listening consider yourselves high-level fantasy players. Well, this is really going to test your skill with the stars of the women's game able to be selected for the first time alongside the men. It's a really great way to elevate the women's game. As we all know, fantasy sports drives a significant amount of interest in rugby league. And with the rapid growth of the NRLW, this is the perfect combo. Now, James, I know you consider yourself a pretty gun fantasy player, and so do I, and we're both big fans of the women's game. So make sure you head to mixer.nrl.com to take us on. You can enter the special league code for Magic Sponge listeners, which is F-U-H. V1MWR, or just head to the link in the podcast description. I know I'm on a big charge this week in the mixer. James, it's two weeks in. I'm sure you're loving it as well. Oh, it's really good. I think the beauty of anything to do with fantasy, fantasy sports, you know, you can use any example here, but rugby league is a great one. It just gets you more involved with the women's game. It gives you more knowledge. It gives you a different angle to watch. I really love it. I'm enjoying the NRLW more and more and more. The Bunny Mixer is amplifying that to the absolute maximum, mate, so I'm loving it. Yeah, mate, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But look, as always, guys, Magic Sponge Podcast, it's your one-stop shop for all things injury analysis in the NRL. We're going to hit all the injuries today that have happened this week. We're going to talk about the guys in the rehab ward. There's a few big ones coming up for returns over the next few weeks that we'll talk about. If you want any more information like this, patreon.com slash Physio is your place to go. Cover a lot more stuff over there. You know, all the injuries you can think of, all the information that you need, it's all there. But without further ado, let's get stuck in. The injury wrap for round 22 is ready to go. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I, I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than, than negative. And 22 is done and dusted, Brian. We're getting towards the pointy end of the season. So let's go through the injury concerns out of this round just gone. First of all, Broncos v Roosters. Only one out of this one was Egan Butcher with a concussion. He failed his HIA in this game, Brian. Um, 
just expecting the 11 day period there for Egan. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, if I look I wouldn't say it's exactly 3 months, but I think that is he's had multiple concussions this season and there is a thing where if you have one within 3 months then you you can't really challenge it. We've only seen one person challenge the 11 days anyway so far this season, so I, I can't see it being a you know super regular thing, but just worth noting for those listening if you weren't aware if a player does suffer a concussion like even this whole category 1 category two business if they suffer a concussion within three months they can't challenge by yeah what the nrl say anyway yep good clarification there tigers v rabbitos was the next one here sean blore another one with a concussion and dane laurie with a knee concern brian do you want to give us a bit of detail about those two yeah, so Sean Bloor, similar sort of thing. He'll um, yeah be up against that 11-day stand-down period. Uh, Dane Laurie with a knee, he copped a pretty heavy blow to the front of the knee. So, look, I, I think they were pretty hopeful that it was just kind of a bit of bruising, more a contusion to the front of the knee than anything. But it certainly had the feelings of like a, a risky for a PCL injury. So really, really common for PCL injuries. You get that blow to the front of the knee and the tibia, which is your shin bone, sort of shifts backwards within the knee, which can cause a bit of a sprain of the PCL. I don't think it's anything major like an ACL at this point in time. But, I mean, look, Dane Laurie's look good for the Tigers. So I think it's a you know a pretty good talking point that he potentially might be facing – you know, two to four weeks is, is pretty standard for a PCL sprain. So he, he could miss, you know, a significant chunk of the games that they have left. So it's not a guarantee that he'll be back next week, I think, is the biggest thing. They'll, they'll have to sort of see, even if it is bruising, that can be pretty nasty in around the knee. So I'm not, um, yeah, like I'm more pessimistic than optimistic about his availability next week. Yeah, he's looked good since moving to six, hasn't he? And I think Phil Gould was on record by saying that that's where he's spent a lot of his junior footy in the halves, and he always considered him a half more than a fullback. So don't worry, I believe, he's on the way to the Panthers again next year, isn't he? I think he's signed to go back home to the Panthers. So that's an interesting one in itself. Um, but probably not much more to talk about there until we find out a bit more about him later on. Stormby Eels, nothing out of this game to talk about there, Brian. So I'll go straight ahead to the Raiders via the Knights. No major ones out of this one, but there was that moment with what has been about 20 minutes to go where Kalen Ponga had to go off the field for HIA. It's probably just a good one to touch on again because we've talked about Kalen Ponga a lot on the Magic Sponge, but it's just an interesting set of circumstances whenever Kalen gets hit in the head, which seems to be fairly high in frequency for some reason. He's one of those guys, isn't he? Mate, I, like we spoke about it in the preseason, and I, I really don't think it's changed. Like I, like I love him. I think, thank God he's back at one, as we've spoken about, fantastic. I don't know whether, and I even have to challenge my own bias a little bit here, is it maybe am I looking out for it? I just don't think I can I can pick another player in the comp who who gets hit in and around the head as many times in a game. Like it's more than likely probably because he's really elusive. You know he is the Knights you know star player, so the other team's really targeting him. You know trying to lay him out every time he takes the ball up all that kind of stuff, and he's really elusive, so guys are probably only getting half shots on him, so they're not able to be as accurate with their hitting zones and, and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, like, like obviously went off with 20 minutes to go. That was a bit of an unlucky one where he's fallen down, copped a knee. There's not much you can do about that. And I don't, like, I think the whole, yeah, there is, like, uh, the argument, is it just because it's Ponga? Does he get dragged off? Those ones are a bit of 50-50, and you, and you see people 
kind of get dragged off, um, you know, in around those. Sometimes they stay on, sometimes they are dragged off. But, yeah, I, I think there was probably three or four other times in that game where I was like, oh, he, he copped a knock and I'm like, oh, like potentially he could go off there. Like he was having – it was so many times in the commentary, they're like, oh, he's given the thumbs up. Like he's he's all good because we're all looking for it, right? Like he, he – oh, yeah, my God. He's, Howard watch. Oh, yeah. he got hit in the head again. Is he okay? He's given the thumbs up. So – yeah, I, I just think it's a really sort of weird phenomenon is that how much he seems to get hit in and around the head. Like, I, I, I reckon you could do a like a highlights or a lowlights reel every game of where he's just... And I'm not saying, like, all of them are, like, you know, cheap tactics or... or got, he just seems to get himself in those positions where his head's in and around. You know, he jumped up to take a big high bomb and, you know, came down like that one. He he got, you know, illegally contacted and stuff, but he came down on his head there. Like there was just, yeah, I I just think it's a a really interesting sort of thing moving forward. It makes me, it definitely makes me nervous as a Ponga owner. I'm certainly not going to, you know, trade him out or anything like that at this point. But, uh, yeah, I can understand the hesitation of people, especially if you sit down and watch a game like that, knowing his concussion history. He's an interesting one, Brian, because if he keeps up his average as he's going at the moment, he might end up close to a million-dollar player, which sort of makes you wonder for season 2024, and he's at fullback, and he's goal-kicking. Is he straight into your team, or is he a watch-and-wait at that price point? That's going to be a really interesting one for Supercoach purposes, particularly if he's 6-1 and one dual, where he may be, he may not be, but that creates a, um, a very interesting talking point for mine for season 2024. What do you reckon if he... Kalen's priced in it, say, in the nines. Is he a must-have for your standard sort of team next year? Or do you think might be a bit, a bit early to get the, the pen and paper out and, and lock him into that sort of six spot or the one spot in your fantasy team next year? Yeah, I'd struggle to have him as a must-have at that price. I think, like, my whole thing with guys like that early in the season is I don't mind picking them in my side to start with because then it's only one trade to get rid of them. Um, You know, that's kind of the approach I always take with Turbo is I'm like, well, I'd rather have him in my side and then if I need to trade him out, it's one trade. But if you don't go Kalen Ponga and he goes 100-100-100 first three weeks, you're behind the eight ball and then you've got to waste like a trade to bring him in. And then what if he suffers a concussion the next week, then you, it's another trade to get him out. So with those guys, I don't mind starting with them. uh, Like if the upside is there, but yeah, it's the hardest thing is for me with this is it's even with turbo. Like if he goes 12 months without the hamstring injury, I then am a lot more confident about his risk of hamstring injury. Like my concern about Ponga, and his concussion concerns, it'd take like two or three seasons of no concussion stuff. Like a bit like a Luke Keary, right? And even you look at Luke Keary, like he had a concussion, is it last year? Um, you know, and, and missed like several weeks after having two or three seasons without a concussion. So that's the biggest thing with Ponga's, the, the situation, is it just doesn't decrease the risk like other injuries would. Mm-hmm. Yep, nicely said. Dragons versus Eagles, we're going to move on to next, Brian. So Christian Tuipolotu had a medial knee ligament injury out of this one. Was that in the Jack DeBell and hip drop tackle? Was that where he sustained that injury? Yeah. Do you want to give us, fill us in on what you're thinking time-wise that he might be missing? 
Yeah, so I think the fact that he came, like he tried to stay on, they tried to strap it up and, you know, keep him on. I think that the fact that he came off usually suggests to me at least a grade two. Like I, I we've spoken about on this show in the, even the past couple of weeks about guys like your Spencer Lanier, like he played through a grade, what ended up being a grade two MCL last week, you know, got it strapped up and kept going. So... Look, every player's different in terms of their, you know, pain tolerance and all that kind of stuff, but I would say you'd be looking at a grade two here. Uh, the thing I will say about it is that it was as textbook a hip drop as it comes. Like, I think the and, – and the people in my mentions have sort of been going off, oh, he didn't mean to do it, he was just performing a tackle. And, like, people don't mean to do high tackles. They're still high tackles. Like, like it, they, 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 don't, they don't go out there and go, I'm going to hit this guy in the head. They just accidentally, you know, in the tackle, they hit him in the head. And, and this was, by the mechanics of the tackle, it was about as textbook as it gets – I think, you know, whether this is the cynic in me, but I was kind of a bit miffed that DeBellin didn't get suspended earlier in the season for what I thought was a pretty clear hip drop tackle on Brandon Smith. Uh, he, you know, copped no, not not even a charge out of it. And I'm a big believer in punishment driving behaviour change. Uh, you know, so one of those situations where because he didn't get charged, in that instance, does he then go away and go, well, I don't need to change my tackle technique because, you know, I didn't get charged and now it's come down, you know, later in the season, a very similar tackle. Uh, So I think the difference there with the Brandon Smith one that I got communicated to me was that his hips landed on the ground momentarily before they hit Brandon Smith's legs, whereas this one that he very obviously landed directly on the legs of Tui Pilotto. So I'm not surprised he's facing three to four weeks. I uh, like, you know, I, I don't want to guess the, the judiciary, but I'd, I'd suspect that they'll probably cop it on the chin. Cause I don't know how they yeah. would argue that it's not a, it's not a hip drop personally. Yeah. I was pretty happy to live with it as well. And I was a bit of pushback at the time when, um, they were penalised, and he was subsequently sinned in for that, I believe, as well. So I did, yeah, didn't see any major dramas with that whatsoever. I think How the sin the bin. I think and, just oh, sorry, quickly, I think the sin bin mm. thing is interesting because they have not sin binned hip drop. Like you know, the the whole thing of oh, we haven't changed the you know the punishment. You know, we're still punishing it. Like that's a like hip drops were getting sin bin three or four a weekend for a while there, those tackles haven't disappeared, right? Like they're still they're still in and around. They're just being policed differently. So it's I'd say it's decreased a little bit, but not to the point where that's the first sin bin I can think of in like six to ten weeks for a for a hip drop tackle. Yeah. So I found it quite interesting that they so I do get I understand the whole consistency thing and I will say once again we're never going to get consistency. It just doesn't happen. But I do get it because I'm like I I think there have been tackles similar to that that have just been penalties. But once again, you know, like if you do tackles like that, you're just putting yourself in a position for the referees to to make a weird call like that. Yep. Penrith vs Sharks was the next game there, Brian. So three outside backs here from the Sharkies looking at injury concerns. Will Kennedy with a hamstring concern, Ronaldo Militale with a jaw injury, and Sione Katoa with a dislocated finger too. How long do we think Will Kennedy is going to be missing with the hamstring injury? We're talking low grade there or high grade? No, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's in trouble. I think, like, from what I'm hearing and what we saw on the video, I think you're looking at moderate to high grade um, hamstring. And I think this is interesting because 
I have a real suspicion, and you probably saw from the post that I put out there that you know he almost suffered it, then tried to stay on because I think whether he thought it was a cramp or and then like kept going again and again and had a few movements, and I think he did he made it worse. I, like I, from what I saw, like his function sort of prior to the you know prior to him going off versus, you know, like almost when he first suffered it, sort of chasing back. And it was, it was actually quite an interesting mechanism because he was chasing back to a kick and was like running but bending forward. So it's that like, you know, anybody out there who's listening, if you want to stretch your hamstrings, you bend forward and touch your toes, right? So he's bending forward to touch his toes almost and also sprinting at the same time. So two mechanisms. It's almost like a mix of a stretch mechanism and a sprinting mechanism at the same time. So he's got that. He's tried to stay on and then he's had a few sort of movements where he had to, like he was on the ground and he was moving around diving for guys and stuff like that. And I've got a real suspicion that he made it worse. Um, And then... Yeah, the the word out of the Sharks so far is that he his um, regular season is almost certainly over in terms of I think they're expecting him to miss at least four to six weeks at this point, and it potentially could be longer. So yeah, that's a that's a huge blow for the Sharkies because they're on a bit of a downward spiral. Hey, yep, definitely. Yeah, they're in danger of missing the eight, aren't they? And Will Kennedy's been a big part of that team, so I don't know who they're going to look at for. The fullback role there, maybe Connor Tracy. He's sort of done a bit of a fix-it role in a lot of other positions over the years because um, I think they've had a few injuries at the fullback spot. Obviously, Lockie Miller, they shipped off to Newcastle and then Cade Dykes obviously was an ACL injury earlier in the year who was another fullback through the ranks there. So I don't know who else they've got in-house there at the fullback position well, I read today. Tracy. I read today that Nico has offered to go to fullback and Moylan back to 5'8". So okay. it's an interesting well, one. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't say no to that. That's not half bad. Yeah, and then um, Ronaldo Molotalo. Look, this was called a training mishap, um, which you know just gave us. Like, yeah, I just get so frustrated with that. Why not just call it a jaw issue at the, in the first place? Like, what are you? Who are you fooling? Like, who, or who are you? Who are you trying to pull the wool over there? Like, I don't understand what that gives you by not just telling your like, especially fans. Uh, you know, that it's a jaw issue from training. Uh, so, yeah, look, not sure. Like, it, it a bit weird to have a jaw issue and it not be a fracture, you know what I mean? Like, a, it must have been a fair knock to the jaw for him to miss a game, uh, but it not be a fracture. So I think that's a, yeah, one to watch. Like, I'm not saying it's a fracture, but, yeah, I just, I wouldn't say I've heard of that very often where it's like, oh, yeah, he's copped a blow to the jaw, he's going to miss a game. Like, it's either, usually you see with guys, like, they're either no fracture, yep, I'm fine to play, or no, it's fractured, you're out for four, eight weeks, whatever it may be. So, yeah, strange one there. And then Sione Katoa, I just thought mentioned the dislocated finger. He obviously played out the game, but just potentially if they, you know, take an x-ray of it post-game and find that there is a small fracture there, that would be the only consideration there. Conspiracy theory time, Brian. So with Ronaldo Militalo, would it be better to call it a jaw injury rather than a head injury because of the time frame between assessment and next week's <laughs> round? <laughs> Mate, you and your you don't have to answer that. I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Mate, if Seeb's but I just see, involved. I see, yeah, well, yeah, that's that's a whole different kettle of fish altogether, isn't it? Me and, me and Tony Seeb's best mates. Um, <laughs> no, I don't mind that. That's, we'll a, that's a fair call. I, I just see Jaw and I think, well, yeah, like you said, if it's not fractured, what are we sort of looking at there? Why would Ronaldo potentially sit out? Was it 
because they were playing Penrith and they thought, well, you know, either it's a severe bruise or there's something more to it there. I, I don't really know too much. I'm just throwing the tinfoil hat on because that's what I like to do. That's just what I like about rugby league, all the all the murky stuff behind the scenes that you never get to see, that never sees a lot of day. That's what I'm keen on. The Dolphins versus Bulldogs games was the next one here we need to talk about, Brian. So this was a game up in Bundaberg. Great place, great part of the world. They they brew a pretty good spirit up there that's made on sugarcane <laughs> as well, just quietly. Out of this game, there's a few injuries. So Conley Lemurley was ruled out early with concussion. Jacob Caraz came off with about 10, 15 minutes to go. I didn't know too much about that, so you might have a little bit more detail there. Probably be worth mentioning two other players. So Reed Marnie with a, a disc issue in his neck and then also Ewan Aiken with a knee concern out of this one as well. Give us some rundown of those four players, Brian. Yeah, so Lamuelu, it sounds like Category 2 because the way that they described it is he was assessed by the doctor in the sheds and then ruled out. So once again, like you're thinking more Category 2 if it took an assessment in the sheds to rule him out. But once again, I'd be shocked if the Finns kind of try and rush that back in the 11 days. Uh, Jacob Kiraz, he came off early. Look, I'll take this opportunity because I don't have much to, uh, to really cheer about in this game. But Kiraz did come off directly after my boy Val Meninga scored his epic try down Kiraz's side. So potentially, you know, just some, you know, hurt hurt feelings or, you know, something like that, potentially by the big man who never passes. I've, I, we were talking about it off air. I don't think I've ever seen good old Val pass. If he does, it, it pretty much goes to ground. So I'm not sure there's ever been a successful pass made there. But, no, it, like, in all honesty, I didn't see much um, with Kiraz. He did, it, like... It's really strange. Once again, we were talking about it just before we came on the show. Oh, Kiraz, I probably didn't spend a lot of time watching his running gait uh, or his running technique prior to this season, I will say. I, I sort of spotted it a lot more in and around his MCL injury, you know, and, and I kind of always, like, only looked at it sort of post his MCL injury and I was like, oh, it really looks like he's carrying that MCL injury pretty heavily because he looks quite laboured in his running gait. He, he looks like, it almost looks like it's an effort to get speed up. Like it doesn't look smooth. It, it looks like almost like he's running on his heels or he's a bit restricted. We had kind of spoken about in the past about it potentially being his strapping tape on his knee that restricts him. But today he had no strapping tape on and on that run where Val is scoring the try, Kiraz isn't directly involved in terms of he doesn't um, get involved in trying to tackle Val, but he's trying to get back to him, like trying to get to him. And he just, like he can't, like he, he just, his running looked really, really awkward, I'll say. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there. That'll be one to keep an eye on. But he did get subbed off for Kyle Flanagan, which for me isn't, a like I don't see how that's a planned interchange really, but, I mean, yeah, I might be wrong there, but, yeah, that was a strange one. Ewan Aitken suffered an injury. Uh, there wasn't really great video on it, but they, they seemed pretty confident it's nothing major. And then just wanted to talk about the Reed Marnie bulging disc really quickly because I posted that during the week and almost regretted immediately doing so. This is, I guess, a topic close to our hearts as physios in that, Bulging disc is probably the biggest, uh, you know, 
boy who cried wolf in physio terms, I would say. Like, obviously, there'll be a lot of people listening who have bulging discs, you know, have been told that they've got slip discs, you know, all this kind of stuff, and they're in quite a bit of pain. So there were a lot of people, when I put that up, saying, oh, he's got a bulging disc, he's going to be out for six months, I've got a bulging disc, it's so painful, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, look, that's not to, you know, talk down to what some people go through with this kind of thing, but I will say that bulging disc as a, you know, diagnosis or as a as something that shows up on a scan, that if you scanned every NRL player, uh, I don't know, James, what would you estimate? Maybe 50%, 60% would have some sort of bulging disc at some place, even with being pain-free? Yeah, I guess when you look at asymptomatics across the population, it's almost um, increases by 10% in you know every decade when you're looking at sort of like 20% of 20-year-old asymptomatics, 30% of 30-year-old asymptomatics, all the way up to, yeah. you know, 80 and 90-year-olds. That's for asymptomatics. Symptomatics seem to be a little bit higher than that, but probably questionable about the statistical significance of that, whether you can split them into this is definitely pathology, this is not pathology. So you're right in terms of, like, the bulging disc label. It's probably one of the more pathologised definitions or more medicalised definitions that we see, isn't it? It doesn't really tell an accurate story about what is the symptomatic structure or what's the thing driving that person's pain experience for example yeah like i'm I'm not super stressed about it i guess is my point like there's been a few people so asking me i oh, do i jump off him like you know i've heard bulging discs are really bad i mean he went out today and scored 45 in base which i think is pretty stock standard for what he does week in week out um so yeah so it's it's not something that i'm overly baking into his super coach value and i'm sure like you'd be pretty similar yeah yeah, I'm still. I own him in the um, Invitational, the Magic Punch Invitational, so I'm not looking at moving away from him or going anywhere else at the nine spot at this point in time. The last game of the round, Brian, was the Titans versus the Cowboys. Bit of a boil over here for the Titans, so good to see them to get a win at home there. Two concerns for them, AJ Brimson, abdominal tear, and Jojo Jafita is reported as a ankle sprain as well, Brian. Do you know much detail about AJ Brimson to start with? He's probably fairly relevant because of the, you know, him and Jaden Campbell sort of switch there at the six and one position and who gets the minutes because whoever gets most minutes there seems to score reasonably well in that Titans team. Uh, I will quickly correct myself before we move on to that. I just checked because I had it in my head, Reed Marnie. He's 45. He did have a tri-assist. So um, just to really, you know, sort of backtrack and uh, contradict myself. Uh, it's still not something I'm super stressed about, but if they're, what I more base it on is rather than there being a bulging disc, it's more the symptomology of it. So in other words, is he, you know, is he struggling with it? Is it causing him, you know, issues in games, all that kind of stuff? He still played 80 minutes today. Uh, but yeah, if they're like, he's not someone who I'm selling from a, from a classic standpoint at this point in time, but if he has a, you know, another week, like without that try, assist I think he's scoring you know what 20 20 like 25 so that's yeah pretty poor for 80 minutes so yeah just erase all the things that I said before but uh yeah look I, like I, I'm definitely more basing it on his performance than the actual bulging disc itself uh AJ Brimson with the ab tear look that's a it's a bit of a strange one in that like uh, some a guy who had a similar thing Braden Burns recently so he missed a week and then came back and you know performed really really well today for the Bulldogs it uh, like unless it's a really significant ab tear that you're starting to look at like hernia and stuff like that those 
small ab tears. They're just mostly pain management issues, but they are super painful. Anything sort of around the abs, in around the, the, the torso, the you know stomach, anything like that. It's an area that gets used quite a lot as a footballer. Uh, so, like, he was obviously able... I think he even got it needled up and came back out for the second half and, and, and played out the game. So it's something that's going to get really sore over the next couple of days. Like, once that painkiller wears off, it is going to get really sore, but... Look, with where the Titans are, I would not be surprised. It's one that, yeah, look, there is a little bit of risk there that he can make it worse and it could turn into, you know, a worse tear or a hernia or something like that. But with good rehab over the off-season, that's not a major concern. I wouldn't like – it's not like a hammy where if you make a hammy worse, you could have hammy problems for the rest of your career. Like, he's not going to have ab problems for the rest of his career. So – I wouldn't be surprised at all if they sort of get him, like do everything they can to get him out there because the Titans, I think they're still mathematically in with a chance of making the eight. So they need every, all the help they can get. And then Jojo Fafita with his ankle sprain, the video wasn't great. It seemed, appeared to happen right before halftime. The, um, uh, he made kind of a half break down the sideline and then got tackled um, and the tackler sort of fell on his legs from behind him as he was making that tackle. Uh, but yeah, they didn't really show too much of a replay there, unfortunately. So it could be lateral ankle sprain, could be high ankle sprain. Uh, yeah, not really sure. I will actually mention there, just off topic a little bit too, but from the Panthers game, Dylan uh, Dylan Edwards had a pretty nasty lateral ankle sprain. Uh, so I got a whole bunch of messages of people freaking out, mainly Panthers fans, uh, because he went down like a sack of spuds. But once again, that lateral ankle sprain where the foot rolls in, not super concerning. Uh, so I think Dylan Edwards should be fine as well. Pretty rich from Penrith fans to be freaking out about one injury when they're absolutely rolling. I mean, come on, guys. Your team's winning more football games than (laughs) any other team has historically in the competition. You're doing all right. So just calm your farm a little bit, eh? Last game. Oh, actually, no, not last game here, Brian. We just want to make mention of one more player here, which is really interesting. And Tamari Martin, who had the fibula fracture, was it around 12 weeks ago now, Brian? Mm. Give or take. It's around that ballpark. Um, what's the update with Tamari Martin at the moment? What do you think? Um, have you heard anything from the Warriors or through through your sources and connections? What are we sort of looking at with Tamari Martin with returning to the field? Yeah, well, Andrew Webster did an interview on radio during the week and said he's at least four weeks away and potentially longer. And I just still can't. Oh. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know. Yeah, fibula fractures are not. Yeah, this is just in uh, the the biggest mystery injury circumstance for me. Like, like you look at a Ryan Pappenhausen, who the the recovery time is just blown out. You know, beyond twelve months, and you understand why because he fractured his patella in nine places and or ten places. Patella, you know, really important structure in that extensor mechanism in the in the lower leg to provide power and all that kind of stuff. The fibula doesn't bear that much weight. It's not a major concern in terms of that. Um, yeah, and and usually if you're going to have issues with it, it will be when the fracture occurs down around the ankle. So, you know, where the syndesmosis is, we've seen a lot of guys have a few sort of fibula fractures with syndesmosis injuries in the last couple of seasons. And that has kind of, you know, then ballooned out in the recovery process. But this seemed to happen kind of mid shaft. So sort of, you know, up a bit further in the middle of the bone of that fibula, but he's obviously still getting problems. And they said it might not be another four weeks. It could be even longer. So, 
I mean, yeah, I just uh, I, I don't really have a lot to add here. He's obviously struggling a little bit. Apparently, he's getting scans that are saying the, the healing's going all good. Um, he's running, but he's just not able to sort of take that next step. So, yeah, I mean, as a Luke Metcalf um, owner in a lot of leagues, because I advocated for grabbing him after I lost Adam Dewey in a lot of leagues, I'm sitting pretty there. Uh, but, yeah, if you're a Luke Metcalf owner, I think um, I think – yeah, just right into the end of the season because it's not sounding like tomorrow you'll be back anytime soon. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. would be really interesting to sort of pull the curtain back with what's going on there, hey. But I guess we'll we'll have to find out later down the track um, if it ever sort of comes to light, I guess. To wrap up the round 22 injuries, Brian, we're talking about NRLW now, so we're going to move on to that. Three players to list off to start with that are probably useful to talk about because of their value for the Bundy mixer. So M. Tonegado from the Sharkies with a calf strain. Jada Taylor from the Sharks as well. She was ruled out pregame with an ankle injury. Jess Surges from the Roosters there with a hamstring strain. And then two others. Hannah Southwell didn't come back from her ACL injury from the Knights. And then also Myhill Moana is going to be ruled out with concussion as well. Do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of the main injuries from the NRLW? Because that has implications for people that are heavily involved in the Bunny Mixer, which is yourself and myself and many others. Yeah, big time. I think, um, yeah, probably the two, like Jada Taylor, there hasn't been a lot come out about the ankle, um, just that she, you know, suffered an ankle injury. So I assume she's just going for scan. So we'll just wait for more there. Uh, Tonegato and Sergis, I think soft tissue strains, especially like the hamstring and the calf, are two that sort of worry me, hamstring more sort of in-game, sort of, in, sorry, re-injury risk, whereas the calf, you know, does that niggle around for Tonegato for a couple of weeks now. It just means that, like, Sergis, for me, isn't somebody who I would be chasing in the Bundy Mixer because as much upside as she has, um, there's a lot of other options that don't have that re-injury risk hanging over her head. So Sergis is someone, for me, who I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be going after too heavily. And then, yeah, Tonegato, pretty similarly. I, like, she's just not someone who I'd be chasing. And then, yeah, Hannah Southwell, she didn't come back from her ACL. Even when she is named, she's not somebody who I'd who I'd be going after in, in the mixer. I just don't think it's, um, yeah, it's worth taking that risk in her first game back from a, from an ACL. Very good, Brian. You've done very well as per usual. So we're going to get rid of the injury wrap there and go straight to the patron questions for this week. So patron.com forward slash NRL physio. If you want more content, if you want the in-depth questions answered that you can present to Brian or discuss in this format on the Magic Sponge, that's where you've got to get on board and that's what you've got to get around. Only one question through patron this week, Brian. It's about Ryan Pappenhausen. We're just... I guess there's been an announcement about his return date and some news there. What are your expectations with him for the next month? And I guess the implications for fantasy football, particularly Nick Meany owners. Yeah, so it's I uh, put a post up this afternoon. It's been kind of whirling around for the last week or so that, yeah, perhaps uh, we actually messaged about it on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. I'd kind of heard some things about the coaches booking um, booking flights up to the sunny coast. Uh, so I said, James, what are we doing? What are we doing next Saturday? And, of course, it's the one day, both of us, it looks like we can't go. Uh, I've got a work thing and you, you're you on uh, you're on dad duties. Uh, so, yeah, it might be a bit difficult. 
difficult for us to make it, which I'm devastated about because I really, really wanted to be there, uh, especially being up and around, you know, where we live and gives me an excuse to come up and see yourself, mate, of course, and, and don the, course. the mighty Sunny Coast Falcons jersey. But, yeah, it's looking like he'll be back next Saturday uh, for the, the mighty Sunny Coast Falcons against the Ipswich Jets. So poor Ipswich Jets, uh, they're going to copper copper pappy masterclass hopefully but uh yeah look this is kind of i i think i mapped it out on patreon sort of maybe six weeks ago that i had round 23 24 as is like kind of where he was probably expected to return for queensland cup i then think that it'll probably be two weeks in q cup to kind of build that up and then i'd expect him to be back via the bench in um, NRL. And, and the the tweet from ABC Sport journalist saying Bojack, I think it was this afternoon, pretty much said exactly that. It said that he's expected back next week, probably two weeks in Q Cup, and then and then back to, um, you know, the bench in NRL. So, like, from a meanie onus perspective, so what does that give you? That gives you Q Cup for around 23-24. So this is best case you'd probably be looking at Pappy back on the bench come round 25. I just, yeah, like I, once again, I'm not freaking out about it. I don't think that Paps is going to play, you know, mate. Like I, I'd be surprised if he's starting at any point before round 27. I think round 27 is your real, like if Storm are locked in their final spot, I would not be surprised to see Meany just get a rest and and perhaps to be named to start. But the hardest thing is is that while I don't expect perhaps to start any time soon because you want to ease him back after such a significant time out, it's still not a positive thing for Meany's prospects because I just don't see, I don't know, like maybe I'm over sort of overestimating what, uh, the performances of the wingers, but I just I'd be shocked if Meany is moved to the wing. I feel like I think Warbrick has been fantastic for them. Like Coates is, you know, their their star winger, so they're not going to be getting rid of him. So yeah, I I just don't. Maybe they move Meany to centre actually because they've kind of you know they've dropped Justin Olam now. Um, you know the, the uh, who Remus Smith yeah. out, so potentially he moves to mm. centre. That that might be an option. But it's just, yeah, I think if you're a meanie owner, you, yeah, like in classic, he's an easy sell for me. And there's a guy who we'll talk about soon who I think you should probably sell him to. From a draft perspective, though, like, uh, uh, yeah, unless you can get much for meanie, I think he's just still worth holding on to because most of your leagues are going to finish by around 25, 26. And I just don't see Paps being a massive... Like, he, he might come on and play 20 minutes. That's not ideal for Meany. But I just think people think that Paps is going to come back. Like, I've had heaps of people asking me, like, you know, do we save a trade for Paps? Like, do we... And I just think he's... I think he's like 900K or something like that in, mm. in Classic. Yep. I, I just don't... I, I would love... Nothing would make me happier than Paps to come back and be the old Paps. But there is just no way you can guarantee that at this point in time after 13 months. Like, it would not be out of the realms of expectation at all for him to take some time to get back to 100% from a performance perspective. Like, that that would be standard. Like, somebody who's out for 13 months after fracturing their patella in 10 places, you 
absolutely expect some time for them to get back to 100%. So if he outperforms that, for me, I'm process over results. I go, okay, like he's just done a worldie. He's been amazing and he's blown away all expectations that we had. But it's one of those things where how the rehab process has gone so far, I'd rather just be conservative and be like, look, I don't have to put aside a trade to bring in a guy who's 900K coming off a severe injury, hasn't played in over 12 months, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just think from a meanie perspective, I still think you, like, you, you've got to stand on the side of where what is the most likely thing to happen. And the most likely thing to happen is that Meany still has, you know, good value. Because I think the majority of people, the sense that I'm getting is that if you try and sell Meany now, most people are like, what are you talking about? Like, Paps is going to be back in two weeks and he's going to be, you know, his usual self and, and, and Meany's not going to be playing. So I feel like your trade value is going to be really, really low. Whereas I don't think that's what Meany is at this point in time. I, like, uh, where do you sit with it as a drafter and a classic? Yeah, he'd be, he'd be a stronghold for me. It would open up the opportunity to trade for him, I think. If someone is thinking along the lines of, oh, yeah, Pat's going to come back and kill it. Meany's worth nothing to me now. I would be trying to get my hands on him, to be honest. I think he could be really valuable for the next least three or four weeks. Um, and if that secures you a few more wins, secures you final spot, secures you grand final, I think you got a better chance of that than um, banking on any other options, to be honest. So I'd be I'd be rolling the dice on Nick Manny. I think he's been pretty good, pretty sound. You know, the Storm are letting a few points in defensively, so they do need to score points, and they are sort of finding their groove there a little bit more. They were pretty good the other night against um, Para. So I'd be I'd be looking at it. I'd I'd be having a little bit of a dab there. I, mean, I think Nick Meany's been down on a few attacking stats, so there probably is a, a sort of a, a boom week sort of on the horizon there, not too far away. I'd say he's due. That's what I'd, what I'd say about Nick Meany. Mate, I love the call. I actually think that's flipping an odd's head. That is why you are our super coach expert, and this week. And for all the weeks that the Bundy Mixer is here, you're going to be our Bundy Mixer expert. So we're going to go into our Bundy Mixer picks where we nominate our favorite plays from the NRL and the NRLW for game week three. And we talk through how we went in game week two. So James, hit me with how you went in the Bundy Mixer and what you're looking at for next week. Rightio, so recap for my week, 494, I boosted Latrell Mitchell and Isabel Kelly. My team was pretty much identical to yours, actually, Brian. I didn't realise until we caught up tonight about the team we selected. So I went Damien Cook, Shania Power, Nathan Cleary, Isabel Kelly, Latrell Mitchell, which was exactly the same as you. We differed in our front row spot where I um, chose Taufel and you chose Midley Boyle. So I got a few more points out of Taufel this week when she got across the stripe for a bit of meat there, for a bit of meat pie. Mm-hmm. So that was good to see. I guess in terms of the weeks moving forward, I think at Hooker, after Cam McInnes, shout out to Cam McInnes making 81 tackles <laughs> or whatever he made in that game this week. That is unbelievable. He sort of looks like a must-have in his scoring format, doesn't he? I think you sort of pick pick him, you set and forget him. He's going to be in your team moving forward. Front row forward to me still looks like a pick your poison out of Georgia Hale. Um, Taufa or Millie Boyle. I think they're still probably the three best ones from the female perspective. I think what caught my eye this weekend in the NRLW doesn't look like the Roosters are well beaters. They were really um, pretty ordinary this week, weren't they? And I think we pumped them up a lot. But yeah, they, they didn't look fantastic. They sort of they came back furiously, but they didn't look like they had a real good week this week. And I think I've got eyes on West Tigers players. I think um, Batil Vet Walsh at fullback. The Tigers' shape 
has looked the best for me. Like with their block plays and their their plays that they play out the back, they've looked by far the most crisp and organised NRLW team. I'd sort of you know equate them to a ten years ago Melbourne Storm, where they just they just had the sharpness, they had the timing. They just did it better because everyone's doing it, but they're just doing it the best at the moment in that comp. And Matilvet Walsh at fullback is leading the charge there. She was probably one or two passes away from laying on a couple more try assists. So I think she only scored 30-something this week, but scored well the week before. The other one from the West Tigers, who to me was one of the standout performers in the NRLW this year, this week, was Ja'Kai Whitfield. So she took that long-range um, try for the West Tigers on the wing there she carried hard. She broke tackles. She was mixing it physically. One of the front rowers from Para, um, no, from the Sharks, my apologies, actually hip dropped her, got up, went toe to toe with one of the front rowers. It was good year. I was really about it. So to Jakai Whitfield, she's someone who came through the, um, the sevens system, had an ACL injury, missed Tokyo Olympics. Um, I think she played for the Knights last year, but didn't get a lot of games. I think she only got a couple of games last year for the Newey Knights. And she's been really good for West Tigers. She scored exceptionally well in the mixer as well. So she's someone that might be worth keeping an eye on. The other ones I think to keep an eye on from the women's sort of selection in the mixer would be um, uh, Polite from the Titans and also Tegan Berry from the Dragons too, both at fullback and both scoring exceptionally well. Their tackle breaks, their line breaks, their ball playing, they sort of do it all there. So I think you don't necessarily have to lock in one of the blokes, I think, week in, week out. I think you can you can get a bit of upside there with some of the NRLW players through the fullback position. How did you go this week, Brian? That's probably my overview from the NRLW and my mix of picks for this week. Yeah, look, I think, as you are saying, I think we pretty much had the same team. Uh, I was 480, so uh, the only difference I had was Millie Ball at uh, front row, and just after we spoke about, you know, trying to chase the upside of a Millie Boyle try last week, <laughs> of course, uh, Taufa scores this week. So that's I had Taufa last week. She didn't score, so I switched to Millie Ball this week. <laughs> she didn't score, and the opposite happened. So that was good fun for me. I did climb from I was three hundred eightieth of four hundred teams in our league, so I did not start well. But I'm now around two hundredth, so I'm on the charge, which is good. Um, yeah, so look, my biggest thing, and I think I'll throw to you because I certainly, from my perspective, look, you know, whether this is a self-punishment as a Finns fan, but I'm certainly looking at Kalen Ponga as like a lock for captaincy next week, definitely in super coach anyway. But I think this scoring system, and I'm sure there'll be people out there who are NRL fantasy players who are rolling their eyes at this point in time. So I do apologize. I'm not as familiar with the fantasy scoring system, but I know James, you're probably a bit more over it than I am. Yeah. Like I just think like, I think Ponga had a really good game on the weekend and he still didn't really, I think he might've scored around 50, you know, not that many. So um, where do you sit on that as a suggestion? Like I was going to just going to lock in Ponga and give him the boost until I sort of score the only, saw that he only scored around fifty. Where like where do you sit on that? Like it probably even sounds like there's better options. I would be strongly going back to back with Nathan Cleary. To be fair, yeah. I think kicking meters. The Panthers are rolling. He's looked really good coming off the hemi, hasn't he? He hasn't sort of missed a beat there at all. I think he's been exceptional. I think because Callum Pollan doesn't get those sort of heavy base statistics, it doesn't make him as appealing in this sort of format of fantasy football. You want to sort of find someone that has 
probably the ability to make a few more tackles in the front line of defence and then probably get a few more kicking metres as well. So Daly Cherry Evans is another one who always has scores reasonably well in, in this sort of format, um, historically speaking. But I think, geez, you'd be brave to go away from Nathan Cleary. I think Nathan Cleary is pretty much as close as you can get to a set and forget, in my opinion. No, I like that call, mate. That's why we've got you uh, to pull me out of those, pull me out of those poor decisions that I and and look, you've done it because we'll move on to our super coach moves for this week, and, and you've done it to me, mate. Because I I've done really well at super coach this year. This is you know the second season that I've sat down with you doing a podcast talking about super coach every week, and I'm I became about sixtieth last season. I'm I'm in the top thousand this season. So I, look, I think I've got you to thank for it. This is my way of like just rubbing in your face how well I'm doing. But uh, yeah, I scored. Well, you are a better bloke than me this yeah. week, Brian. So yeah, you, you have every right to rub it in my face because you good. are the good bloke of the week. That's good, mate. So I, I'll start off with mine because I do want to throw to you um, because I need you to talk me out of something, mate. I scored fourteen oh two. I've got one trade left. I really, really want to bring in Dane Gagai this week, like really, really badly. I just cannot believe how well he is scoring and the Knights draw for the next five weeks is ridiculous. Mate, dang guy, last trade. I, I, I'm, I'm on the precipice. What do you got for me? Yeah, I think you've got to back yourself and back <laughs> yourself in there, Brian. He's, his scoring this year has been insanely consistent for someone who's only scored a couple of tries. Like He's just scoring 80s for fun. He really is. He's probably one of the more attractive centre wings at the moment. He's not super expensively priced either. They've got a really good draw, like you said, Dolphins, Canterbury, South, Sharks, St. George. It's not bad. It's pretty good. The Knights seemingly have turned the corner as well with Ponga going to fullback. The confidence is there. Hastings is the orchestra leader there. It's hard to make an argument against it because I think you're saying, well, Callum Ponga's an every week captain. You've obviously got Greg Marzio in your team as well. You probably want to get a piece of Dane Gagai, or I was going to throw Dom Young in there as well. So maybe you might get a bit more out of Dom Young just with tries. Um, he scored. He had one disallowed on the weekend where he just put his foot in the touch, so he would have doubled up on the weekend if he didn't get denied. Also, shout out to Dom Young with the Tamanatahu inspired celebration <laughs> where he dunked the ball on the post. That was good areas, so good. and that was supreme athleticism at something I'm just at five foot eight I cannot even dream of doing um and being really, 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 really unathletic. But I think if you're looking at Tango guy, I would not talk you out of it at all. I think he would be the one that I'm thinking as well. I'm looking at Joey Manu to him or Dom Young myself this week because I've got two left. So I can burn one there and the rest of my team's relatively okay. And like you said, Brian, you've you've got the chocolates on me this week. I scored thirteen eleven, traded in Latrell and Fafita this week. So I traded at Gapo and Preston. And I went straight C on Latrell because I didn't really have any looping options. So I was just balls to the wall and just said, Yep, let's put it on Latrell and see how it goes. Um didn't work out that well when Nathan Cleary put up 120. Um and that was probably really the difference in our scores, wasn't it? The difference in me captaining Latrell and you getting the the C on Cleary was probably that sort of eighty, ninety point swing there home. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think um, we spoke about Cleary sort of coming off the injury. The performance wasn't really a massive concern for me. It was more just that re-injury risk. He's passed the first two weeks now, so if you haven't brought in Cleary yet, I would be doing it. Like I, I just don't see how 
you don't. Like, yeah, maybe he gets a rest in round 27. That would be the only net negative against him um, for me at this point. Now, the one thing, because I think, obviously, Supercoach Corner, and I'm going to go off script here. We, we usually have a run sheet that we follow, but I'm going to throw a question at your site unseen. Because I think, look, for us, you know, we've got two trades and one trade left. So we don't have a lot of things to talk about in terms of, you know, what we want to do and stuff like that. But... Let's say, James, it's a theoretical world. Tommy Sangster has come in and he's giving you an extra six trades. So you've all of a sudden got eight trades left. What do you want? Like, what are you, what are you looking for in your team at the moment that if you had more trades, and, and this is mainly a theoretical, you know, probably for people out there who've got some trades left, where are you wanting to move, like, if you had more? What's a way you want to get an edge on on the comp? Are there any big point of differences that you think are worth bringing yeah. in? Yeah, Good question. I think Scotty Drink is probably one because I'm rolling Luttrell and Reese Walsh. I think Scotty Drink's the obvious one there. I think even though he didn't score as well today as he has historically, I think he's one that you definitely want to get around there a little bit more. I tend to think Gagai and Dom Young are now big options for the Knights too. I think if you could get a couple more of them in your team, that'd be that'd be prime. I think you want to get Ponger and Walker as your sixes. I've got both of those guys, so I'm pretty happy. Got clear in Nico Hines. I guess Nico Hines, you could make an argument, may not necessarily be yeah, so in must-have territory anymore. Mm, I was going to ask you that. And like, I guess you know, what do you what do you do with Nico? Like, do you go to an SJ? Like, they've got a pretty soft draw as well. Like, like even yeah. DWZ was someone who I was thinking of. Like, with their soft draw, they got some good games in NZ too. Yeah, I think SJ was probably top of my list, followed by. I think Mitchie Moses, like, they've got a tough draw, though, Para, but he, being the dominant half there, seems to score better than when Dylan Brown's there, um, racking up attacking stats as well. But I think SJ, I could definitely hear an argument for. I think he'd be someone that you definitely want to have in your team there. I think Tino, when he gets back from suspension, yeah, if you had enough in, in your bank to get Tino back in in the front row, he's just such a good player um, in that position. I think getting Corey Horsburgh up to him would be... A really good play, like from a second row position, I'm pretty happy with what I've got there. So I'm rolling Fafita, Kolmatangi, Murray, Nikara, Olukwatu, and Isaiah Papali'i. Um, you know, you got to pick and choose your poison. Now I'm more playing them on matchups at the present. So I'm just trying to find who's got the soft matchup and I'm p- picking and choosing who I'm playing there. And in front row, I've got Payne Haas and Horsburgh. So I'll probably get, yeah, Horsburgh up to Tino if I possibly could do that as well. Damian Cook, Harry Grant, pretty happy at hooker. Yeah, Nico's probably the only other one there, I reckon. It would be a case of, like, yeah, could you get Sean Johnson in, you know, in centre wing? There's probably not too many other massively appealing ones apart from the Knights boys and Val. I don't have Val Holmes in my team, and I think he'd be probably one that would be worth having there for his his upside. I just think you could – I, I think you Gagai, Gagai, Dom Young, DWZ are cheaper options with more upside, and that's mm-hmm. even with Val dropping hundreds for fun. Like, these guys yep. have got really soft draws in pretty solid teams. Like, you, yeah, I just think you're getting a discount on those guys where you could just go mental. And I love yeah. you. I love your Tino call. I think especially because they won today, I think that, that keeps them – in touch with the eight, you know, or mathematically they can still make it. So, yeah, I just think when he comes back, he's going to be huge. So, yeah, I think... ribbon tearing. Yeah, I love those calls, mate. I think, uh, yeah, Tino or any, you know, backline piece of Knights or the Warriors you can get, I think 
they're your, they're your ways to the yeah, you know to I try like and it. get something out of it. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week. As always, if you like the pod, give us a re- recommend to a friend. If you want more info like this, patreon.com slash NRL Physio. It is your place to go. What I will say is, unfortunately, James and I are not catching up next week to watch Pappy's return. But if you live anywhere around the general vicinity of the Sunshine Coast, get down to see him. I think it's 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it just it's just awesome, and it, like it doesn't matter that's Pappy. Like Pappy is obviously a really really fantastic player, high profile, exciting player to watch, all that kind of stuff. But any player who's coming back from an injury like this, like he has been, yeah, it's. I'm sure when he first injured it, I know Melbourne Storm their CEO came out and said sort of twelve weeks is what they were hoping for, and it's now thirteen months. Like, that's tough, and then, you know, on, on any footy player. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really, really good to see. Get down there, enjoy it if you can. Um, James, just try and get yourself a babysitter and get down there, mate. It's only just down the road. Yeah, I know. I've got to line up a few things and see if I can get down there. But, yeah, shout out to Ryan Pappenhausen. If I can get down there for a watch in the flesh, I can't wait to see it go live. But um, it's good to see him back. He's one of the the marquee players in this competition and one of the good blokes of rugby league. I think you wouldn't hear anyone that has a bad thing to say about Ryan Pappenhausen in any of their interactions with him that I've sort of come across anyway. He just seems like a really likeable, good fella, and I hope he goes well. I hope he gets back in and he, and he goes real well. You know, think back to the Clive Churchill he won in 2020. Just what a game that he played against the Panthers in that grand final. It was just... So good to see, and he's you know had a had a big speed bump you know after that time. I just hope he can get back to somewhere near that. Absolutely. All right, guys, have a good week, and up the mighty mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula, suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury, that he's come back from. That's about it, mate.